a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Lights. Camera. Action. It's the KSL Movie Show. The end is inevitable. They're kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. The week's big movie review. Movie news, games, and prizes. Here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. Right now, we are being so unoffensive, we might as well be a Hallmark Christmas movie. You know what I'm saying? On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. All right, you've heard the previews for this show ad nauseum over the last couple of days. <laughs> oh. And now it's here. The movie show, you've made it to Friday. It's a long weekend for a lot of people. Of course, it's not a federal holiday on Monday, so there will be some people who have to go to work. But a lot of us will not have to go to work for Pioneer Day weekend. In the normal sense. In the normal sense, but, uh, you know, there's still stuff going on on Pioneer Day. By the way, I got a text from D. Right, last night. Oh. They have a new grandbaby. <gasps> Congratulations. Uh, her name That's is, right. Her name is B. Nice going, Katie and Avery. Uh, you know, that whole seven pounds, 19, what, I don't even. 20 know. inches long or yeah, whatever. Yeah, she's a 19er. But mom and baby are doing well? I, you know, I, that was, I assumed that. But B is actually my mom's name. It's a complete coincidence. Oh. And if you ever called her Beulah, you better be faster than her because she will throw or chase you down and you'd be done. So are so, you going to be the baby's godfather? I'm pretty sure not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, it, yeah, new grandbaby, that's their third grandchild, and way to go. Doug and Dee, you did absolutely nothing, but yeah, there it is. Well, they did the work years ago. Yeah. And now it's paying off. Well, yeah, now they're going to be super busy on Tuesday mornings when they have all those kids there. Uh, well, congratulations to... Uh, to Doug and Dee and to Katie and what's Katie's husband's name? Avery. Avery. Yeah. Okay. I only got to meet him once and she was very pregnant. That was at Doug's farewell lunch. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Andy Farnsworth, Steve Sales. It's the movie show. It's the moment you've been waiting for this week. We're grateful to have you with us. We want to make sure that everyone knows you're as much a part of the show as we are. We'd like you to join us via text 57500. Text us your thoughts about the movies that you've seen. We've got a recorded line that we're going to play one later in the Movie Show Top 10. Nice. And uh, we want you to be part of the Movie Show Club by texting the word MOVIE to 57500. That gets you in the club. And then you can just text us whatever you want during the movie show. And we may read Within it. Within reason. Within reason. Oh, I say, you can text us whatever you want. That doesn't mean we'll read it. But all right. Let's get things started then, Steve, with the movie show preview sponsored by Call Climate Services. The following preview has been rated G and is appropriate for all audiences. The movie show special feature. All right, Steve. Barbenheimer, or as we have suggested it should be. Op and Barbie. Op and Barbie. The two big movies of the week. By the way, if you're watching them both in the same day, you're crazy. Because this is five hours of actual movie time sitting in the theater three hours with Oppenheimer two hours with Barbie and you're gonna have to take a break between the two of them yeah I likely mean, 
you you don't see that many movies in a month, and you're going to do it on the <laughs> yeah. same day. You don't spend Come that much on. time in a movie theater. <laughs> That's a good point. And the and Oppenheimer is very dark. It's really you know. It's heavy. By the way, one of the movie show sponsors is the Megaplex, and they disavow all knowledge oh, of yeah, Steve that's right. telling people to not go to the movie theater for five hours. I'm not hours. saying don't go. I'm <laughs> saying not, don't do it back to back. Okay. But Barbenheimer, Oppenbarbie, it's actually a thing. People have actually purchased T-shirts with that on it. And last Whoever night, came up with this, who? Um it can't be the studios. No, because somebody just studios. did it, and then they're like, "Oh, that sounds cool." Well, it probably came down perhaps to a husband and wife saying, "I want to see Barbie. I want to see Oppenheimer. Oh. Let's see them both." Well, okay, I, I can, I can live with that one. So Barbie's going to be in the most screens. Yes, yes. And, and it's Barbie's going to make get, twice as much money. Yes, I was going to say a couple of things. One being the shorter runtime, and the anticipation building up to give it more showings during a day. And Christopher Nolan can be a tough watch sometimes. He can, especially when you got to do it for three hours. Yeah, I know. But we'll talk about both of those in depth. In fact, we're actually going to review both of them twice because they're so big. We're going to talk about them both together when we do our uh, big movie review. And then when we would do the other big movie, we're just going to hit them both twice because, you know, we've got uh, people who can't be listening right now, but will be listening at 11 o'clock. I know you should be planning your entire day. Between on Friday between nine and noon around listening to the movie show. Uh, what else have we got this week? Uh, we have uh, Go West, and we'll have the ca- two members of the cast from that mov- movie. These are the Studio C kids. Former, former Studio sorry. C. Sorry, now JK Studios. Uh, they clone Tyrone with uh, what's his face? Uh, John Boyega, Jamie Fox, oh, and yeah, yeah. Tiona Paris. That's it. Um, we have uh, the Steph Curry uh, underrated. Uh, movie we've got uh, deepest breath this is about people who free dive and they stay underwater for like four minutes you will actually feel yourself breathing you're like i gotta breathe (laughs) because they do it for so long that they on their way back up they pass out and if they They do pass out on the way out of the water yeah i mean the last 10 yards they're like anyway well it's an amazing film uh, Justified, oh, oh, oh. City Primeval is back with Raylan Givens. Oh, the Timothy Oliphant. I love that dude. I should watch that show sometime. You should. The it's, first Justified. It's a great show. Oh, by the way, and Tony Bennett passed away. Yes, I heard that this morning. Oh. Why do people keep passing away on Fridays? He's 96. What day would you like him to do it on? <laughs> I mean, I'm not putting in any requests or anything, but... Uh, Tony, uh, next time, could you uh, make this a Thursday? That would be helpful. <laughs> Maybe Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plus uh, a couple of other streaming things uh, that we'll, we'll get to. Uh, we talked about Steph Curry, that, 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 but there's also a documentary about Will Chamberlain on Max, a three-part series called Goliath. Two different uh, NBA players who changed different parts of the game in their respective eras that were, you know, 40 years apart. and so One was a monster and the other one was a sharpshooter. <laughs> More or less. But, uh, yeah, uh, I actually found them both to be really fascinating. And then if we get time, uh, there's a, a series on Max called Superpowered the DC Story, which is a three-part series that essentially tells the history of DC Comics up to today. And I'll tell you what, they're not afraid to talk about DC's flaws because really? there are plenty of them. Well, we also will mention Cobweb and Sympathy for the Devil, which stars... Did you get to see it? No, they didn't send it to me. And I'm so ticked because (laughs) our friend Scott Renshaw from City Weekly said, it is the most Nick Cagiest movie you will ever see. 
Well, you just hooked a whole bunch of people. I know, including myself. <laughs> I saw the trailer. He's got flaming red hair, and he's nuts. And this is after seeing a movie in which Nick Cage, Cage plays himself in um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and then an over-the-top version of Dracula earlier this year. And you haven't seen Mandy. Oh, I haven't. No. Oh, That's man. this year, too? No, no, that was years ago. Oh, okay. Pig? You saw Pig. I did not. Oh, there's two There's right a there. few there. <laughs> as weird as this sounds, I prefer to, pre- prefer to preserve Nick Cage's dignity in my own mind a it's, little bit. It's gone. <laughs> That's Forget probably it. what I should have thought. Well, the movie show. Who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor. <laughs> On KSL News Radio. Welcome into the movie show. We're coming to you live from My Hearing Center's in Sandy location today. But uh, Steve, we've got two big movies, and we're going to try to talk about them both. Even though you know we've decided Barbie's going to win. The, the box office too. Yeah. But uh, Hop and Barbie, they've been so close together. We're going to talk about them both. Let's start with the big movie review sponsored by Paris RV. And it's Barbie. What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. Wow. This is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. All right, Steve. Well, uh, yeah, Barbie is uh, front and center. And the beautiful thing about this is you go to Barbie land and it's, everything is perfect. It, right. it reminded me of the beginning of the Lego movie. Uh, everything is awesome. And the, every day is perfect. The night before, they have the big dance party and all the boys are excused. It's the girls' night every night. Every night is girls' night. And in Barbie land, you know, I guess that makes sense. But, you know, Ken, poor Ken, he just waiting for Barbie to pay attention to him and he all his he doesn't even have a job he's just called beach <laughs> his job is beach because he's beach Ken. but he's not even a lifeguard so he just wanders around the beach that was funny I, and you're right about um, Ryan Gosling he steals this movie I thought his arc of his character was so interesting how anyway so she has a moment of existential a crisis where she says what anybody ever think about dying and so then she realizes that there's a real world out there and the screwed up weird Barbie says, this is where you go to find out what's going on in the real world. And then when she sees what's happening there, you know, then what happens? So, Right. And Ken goes with her. That's right. And Ken discovers that the real world is very different than Barbie land. Yeah. And that patriarchy. Men, men aren't just the, the side the side characters and uh but yeah so without we don't want to give away too much of the plot for people who are excited to see it but uh what Barbie is is a colorful explosion i mean it the closest thing i could think of is candyland like watching it felt like looking at a candyland board not in a bad way but no. that's what it that's what i got the impression of and they've They've taken the toys that you've seen commercials for, maybe that you owned as a kid, and they've blown them up to full size. Yeah. They operate like a toy would. Um, which Barbie falls down, she falls down with her arms at her sides and her legs straight out because she doesn't have 75 points of articulation. She has five. No, they and did a beautiful so job with that. They walk a line, and the director, Greta Gerwig, what, what would you say is her most famous film other than um, this? Probably Lady Bird. That's what I was thinking, too. But she certainly has a following among people who are big fans of independent cinema, because she's done a lot through there. 
But between and, and her husband's Noah Bombach, right? Right. So they co-wrote this along with. I don't two know if they're married. People. Are they married? I thought they were, but I I could be wrong. At any rate, they worked together on the script on this, and then um, I don't think he co-directed. He just co-wrote. But uh, for Barbie, they go through the whole gamut of of everything that you've ever heard about Barbie. Kind of finds a way to fit into the movie's story, whether it's you considered Barbie to be an unrealistic expectation for girls or whether it's a thing that made a huge difference in you and actually felt, made you feel empowered. And and all the different things, the criticisms and the love all find their way in, which I, first of all, I thought was really ambitious. And second, well, but, I thought but, they did it pretty well. And it's realistic because some people love Barbie and some people hate Barbie. So you might as well play it out. And then when Ken realizes that it's a man-centric world in the real world, Especially with horses, oh, I don't know what his thing so about horses funny. was, but he plays an idiot so perfectly, but without a wink, wink at all. It's one of those like, yeah, I'm really dumb, but I'm embracing it. And I thought, I, I love this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I took my daughter with me, and she loved it. Uh, people were dressed up. It was just, I thought that all the little, you know, Mattel they made. They poked fun at Mattel a little bit. Um, yeah, they walked up to the line. There's a line between satire and mockery, and I never felt like they crossed into the mockery. And so they did it really well. Of, of, it was it was loving. Like even when we tease you, we love you anyway. Kind of a thing. And, and right. I thought that was really solid. I thought, uh, you know, I, I agree with you on Ryan Gosling. You mentioned the Lego Movie. I feel like that there was a very similar humor style in Barbie. To the Lego movie, which, by the way, is not a bad thing because I no. love the Lego movie. Me too. But uh, for me, this was a three-and-a-half-star movie. I mean, there was a lady sitting next to me that was actually sobbing at one point. I don't know if you recall, at one point during one character's monologue, a bunch of the ladies actually burst into applause right there in the middle of the scene in the theater. Oh, uh, that was America's... When America Ferrara was, uh, was her, talking about... Her, yeah. It was a great little speech. Oh, It was. And, you know, I, people will know what we're talking about when they get to that point, I'm sure. So, Barbie movie for me, three and a half. So, did, did you feel it was political at all or just... I mean, I, I, I suppose you could see that if you were looking for it. I didn't feel like it was I thought it was deliberately more empowering more yeah. than anything. Uh, you know, for me, I just kind of wished that... Well, I, I don't want to say before they see the movie, but uh, there was one thing that I th that they explored every avenue it's felt like except this one, which I would have liked to have seen figured out somehow in there as well. Yeah, and I I thought um, I, I just lost my train of thought, but the idea that uh, I'll come back to it and we do it later. But I I'd give it a B plus. I thought this was a fun movie. I thought they hit all the right buttons, most of them, maybe almost too many, but I I, I still thought it was cool. I liked all the side characters, Alan and Skipper and Mitch oh. and yeah, everybody's named Barbie and Ken except for Alan. Who, by the way, is a real doll in the Barbie line oh, yeah. from 1964. Right. And then Skipper, which most people have heard of, and they point out that one of Skipper's features on the toy was wildly inappropriate. Oh, right, yeah. Raise your arm and <laughs> Raise wow. Raise your arm and things happen. <laughs> and poor Mid, she's pregnant. She didn't last long. No, nope, no. Nope. And they, at they, least they throw her in there, and I thought that was cute. Yeah, so uh, solid. You, you'd recommend? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought this exceeded my expectations. And still managed to give me a Barbie movie with an existential crisis, which actually... If you can it, do that. Yeah. You're like looking inside yourself like, oh, they've hit all the major buttons, at least for me. All right. So before we take a break here at bottom of the hour, we're going to do the shortened version of Oppenheimer. So then at 1105, when we do the other big movie review, we'll go into more depth in Oppenheimer. So sure. maybe just like quickly Oppenheimer, the story of uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, one of the 
uh, people most influential in building the atomic bomb during World War II. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's three hours long. If you just had to sum it up into one sentence, how did you feel about it? We'll go into more depth in the, in the 11 o'clock. Exhausting. I, I was working so hard trying to get through the discordant music and hear the dialogue. Again, this is a, one of his things. It's like in art. If you like Picasso, you're going to love Picasso. This is a Picasso movie. The way he directs is is so distinct Yes. That you can't tell a story from start to finish linearly. No. You're going to jump all over the place in And he's going to make you work. And, he, and it's, it's, it's exhausting. That's the word I would choose. And for me, I thought it was a very entertaining history lesson, one that I knew very little about. Um, it was. It didn't feel long, although I also thought it was kind of like two movies, one wrapped around the other. There's the story of the bomb, and then there's the rest of Oppenheimer's life that's kind of sandwiched on both sides of the story of the bomb. So uh, uh, so for me, I, I liked it fine. Uh, I enjoyed Barbie way more as far as just enjoying a movie. Right. Um, but I, I wouldn't say, like, Oppenheimer is not worth seeing. It is oh, worth no. seeing. No, it is worth seeing, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a sludge. Okay, so we'll review more depth and a little bit more detail on Oppenheimer coming up after uh, at 11 o'clock. It's the- I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. KSL Movie Show. The end is inevitable. They've kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. The week's big movie review. Movie news, games, and prizes. Here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. Right now, we are being so unoffensive, we might as well be a Hallmark Christmas movie. You know what I'm saying? On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. It's the movie show. Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales here at My Hearing Center's Sandy location. You know Speaking what? of inoffensive, we forgot to mention the rating on Barbie. Oh, yeah. But although I think it's kind of, there are maybe three references that would be a PG-13. Right. And I think that's why I got it. I will also say, uh, and, and I Jeff Kaplan asked me about this yesterday, is would younger kids even get the things that everybody's laughing at? And I would say probably not the funniest stuff. Yeah, but there wasn't anything content-wise that was I didn't feel that was so offensive that you couldn't take a seven or eight-year-old to go see this or or a five-year-old. It's not a movie that's necessarily designed for like a four and five-year-old. There's plenty of animated Barbie movies that you can stream or grab on disc or that you probably already own that you could watch instead of the Barbie movie on screen. But if you did decide to take your younger family members, we actually had somebody who texted us at five seven five zero zero asked if I would take my own daughters to see Barbie. My two teenage daughters, absolutely. In fact, one of them is already planning to go see it twice in the next week. Um, but I have a 10-year-old daughter as well, and I, I wouldn't have felt uncomfortable watching this with her. Um, though I, she might have looked at me like, Dad, what are you laughing so much at? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's got a little sass, but it's tastefully done. I yeah. Think. And, it's, I mean, the only thing is just, yeah. Remember, Barbie and Ken are not anatomically correct, and Barbie explains that to some construction workers who decide to hoot and holler at her in the real world. Yeah, she'd never been actually. She's like, let's go talk to the construction guys. They're probably cool. (laughs) All right. That was a funny bit. So Barbie, 
PG-13, and it is in uh, about every theater you want to go see it at. Yeah. Okay, so, Steve, um, I've decided we don't want to wait till 11 o'clock to finish talking about Oppenheimer. We gave you a sneak preview of what we thought of Oppenheimer just before the break. Now let's do the whole thing. Build a town, build it fast. If we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? You're the great improviser, but this you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. But only near zero. <laughs> that, was a, that was a funny bit. I mean, especially when we're talking about the possibility of destroying the planet, the idea that well, the chances are near zero that we won't destroy it. And I'm glad they included that because uh, up until, I mean, just the math, there was a mathematical arc that gave the possibility that, because they'd never, this is the first time in the history of the world that they had divided the atom and released that energy, that the reaction wouldn't stop until right. it had just consumed all the oxygen in, in the atmosphere and blown the whole earth And up. they did mention the fact that this was theory and that, Theory can only take you so far, and then you finally have to just kind of do it. Yeah, that was actually, I thought, a pretty key theme of, you know, uh, Oppenheimer is a, is a physicist, a theoretical physicist. Um, he, uh, If you're not familiar with who he is before now, I, mean, I can't imagine people who are listening to the movie show haven't maybe seen the trailer or heard about Oppenheimer, but uh, Oppenheimer was one of the fathers of the atomic bomb, and during World War II, they get wind that uh, German scientists are ready to build this type of a bomb and uh, of course Oppenheimer has met a lot of the physicists Niels Bohr I'm trying to remember who the other main German guy was Heisenberg Heisenberg right and so he knew them from before the war and knew kind of they were just after Einstein's theory of relativity kind of unlocked this quantum realm uh, now they're trying to figure out what do you do with that knowledge and once they heard that there was a potential of a bomb being created uh, General Matt Damon shows up, and I don't remember who his character is because I'm not familiar enough with the history, but Matt Damon plays a general who's assigned to bring Oppenheimer on board this top-secret project and get it going. And So that's what you're assuming Oppenheimer is about, which is the story of the creation of the first nuclear bombs. Which, However, by the way, I like the idea that it's all like wood and you know nails and toggle switches and masking tape over holes. I mean, this is like... Talk about MacGyvering a bomb. I just <laughs> They'd never done it before. They I, had to figure it but out. But I thought that was cool, that it really was that rudimentary that you were putting masking tape over holes and stuff. But as we mentioned, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, so the out-of-time sequence things are uh, life of Oppenheimer's life before. Oh, uh, Matt Damon played Leslie Groves, a real person. That's yeah, why I no, wanted to make sure I gave him credit to the real name. Sometimes when they tell historical movies, they create a character that represents like five different people for storytelling purposes. But this was a real, real general. Yeah. Um, but Nolan decides to show um, when Oppenheimer's in front of the House on American Activities Committee um, – there's a point when his security clearance to remain on the Atomic Energy Commission is up. And all of these things are mixed together. You jump between black and white. You jump between color. But at least they gave you that black and white to delineate that oh, we're going back in time to. Right. Well, I mean, they did. Some, wait. Was, well, when, when he talks to Robert Downey Jr.'s character the first time, was that in color or black? I can't, honestly can't remember now. <laughs> Probably should have wrote that I down. I thought but, it was in black and white. But maybe it was. Uh, and Robert Downey Jr., what a big-name cast in this movie. I mean, you've got Rami Malek, you've got uh, Tilly Murphy, Malick who plays. Rami Malek barely showed up in the last 
hour of the movie. I, I, You're just like, oh, wait, hey, there's Oscar winner Remy Malek. I know. There's so many people that just do a drive-by in this film. Emily Blunt, yeah. Lawrence Pugh. I'm, just, I'm trying to remember who are the other big names that I just remember. We, we mentioned Matt Damon. Tilly, is it Killian Murphy or Cillian it's Murphy? It's Killian. Killian Murphy, who's been in other Nolan films, plays Oppenheimer. I don't know if you listened in the clip. When you just hear the voice that he did, it sounds like Robin Williams to me. Like, oh, Next really? time you hear the oh. clip... It sounds like when he's when he does his deep voice. The voice, like it yeah. sounds like Robin Williams' voice. Oh, I thought he was a perfect choice because he kind of has that wild-eyed look about him. And Oppenheimer was a, kind of a a loner. I mean, he was deep in his thoughts. He he was a womanizer. Yeah, they made that clear. Yeah, there's a couple of, of uh, nude scenes that are a little strange. I thought I I really didn't think they needed to be what they were, but you know, whatever. It's not my movie. It's right. no one's movie. You can make what he wants, but. I just thought that was unfortunately that will be a turnoff, I think, to some people who otherwise would have really been excited. I just don't want somebody to walk in and be like, "Oh, well, yeah, hi, Florence Pugh. It's nice to see you." Yeah, I know that. That's kind of like the Titanic view is when you know, right. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but there it is, and so yeah, we got that he was a womanizer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we figured that out pretty quickly, but. I just thought it was so interesting how somebody so bizarre could lead a group of people. I mean, there were 4,000, what did they say, over three years, 4,000 people and $2 billion to set this whole thing up in Los Alamos. So they built this little city. Oh, and it just so happens that uh, that was land that he owned. That's part of the reason it was in Los Alamos. Yeah. was because he owned the land already. Oppenheimer did. Was it the family that owned the land? It was his family's farm. It was his family, yeah. Yeah. And he, he was used to riding it. He knew the land. He said, you need a remote place. I got one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, of course, there's a lot of other history mixed in there. And, and Nolan, I, I, I mean, for what it's worth, to take something where the entire, um, all of what happened is known. If you really want to know the story of the bomb, if you really want to know the story of the bomb, you can go look it up. You can read it on Wikipedia. You can read books that have been written about it. I actually thought this was based, I wondered if it was based off of a, of a novel or a, a story of Oppenheimer, but apparently it's no. Christopher Nolan original He script. just took all the source material and made it his own. Um, I thought the hearing stuff, the, the the whole idea of you know his wife maybe being a communist and then you know him thinking about it was a little too overdone. I mean, and, well, and I, Louis Strauss, the Robert Downey character, he just seemed like, uh, I mean, I know that's all real, but they kept building that up. And well, that was, to me was the Nolan touch. That's what I felt like was yeah. the Christopher Nolan touch. Here's... He he told the, the story of the actual bomb fairly linearly, but you've got jumps back in time, some stuff from before the war, but then that's also interspersed with this hearing for security clearance that's going on after the war. So there, that, to me, was the Nolan part. And then I assume he went in like we would, going in cold, not knowing that most of the viewers don't really know all the details of the story, so he can tell the story in a way that gives him his chance to, ooh, there's this surprise sort of thing. If I didn't know the story, yeah, but what you know, looks like a relationship that's one way turns out to not be that relationship by the end. But to me, it's showing off. It's like Spike Lee. You know, you watch a Spike Lee movie, and they do that little dolly scene where the character moves back and the background changes. It's saying, hey, I'm here. Don't or John me. Woo with the doves in the background. Yeah, it's just, t- to me, it feels a little, just, look at me, look what I can do. It's Again, it, to me, it's a Picasso. It's a brilliant, it's a masterpiece, but for certain people, it may not be. Okay, and so what would you give it? I gave it a B. B, and for me, it was three out of four because it was solid, it was entertaining, and I learned some stuff that I didn't know. And, and I appreciate his, his filmmaking. 
I just of don't love we it. We saw it 35 millimeter. We didn't get to see the IMAX version of it. Uh, we <sighs> saw it 35 millimeter. It kind of felt like we were on a jumbo jet because <laughs> yeah, it the, felt the, like we the were short back. rows and then a big row in the middle and then a big screen up at the front, but not stadium style. You know what I was thinking? I felt like we were back in the 50s watching a movie about the 50s. About the 50s, okay. So Oppenheimer, rated R and playing everywhere. Not just any news. Stop what you're doing and listen. Movie news. On the KSL Movie Show. All right, it's time for movie news, Steve. This is uh, brought to you by the Joshua Stern Team. Visit SternTeam.com to learn your home's real value in 30 seconds. Click Sell, then Home Evaluation. Well, Steve, the big thing, of course, is uh, that's really been dominating any movie news talk over the last week is the uh, SAG strike continues. We're now the second week begins now. Uh, to me. I mean, no progress has been made. Yesterday, the studio said, we've given the best offer ever, and all the actors are like, BS, and so it goes on. But the level of pettiness that is happening with this strike can be summed up by what NBC Universal did this week. So picketers out in front of their, their, uh, um, in front of their studios. Yeah. Well, they've decided that they need to do some construction on that entrance, which means they've got to put up the construction walls and they've got to block it all off. So this perfect spot where the picketers could circle and, you know, stop work. So there's a picket line that you'd have to cross. Unfortunately, now they have to move further away because it's a safety issue. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know about the construction. I knew about the trees. Caddy, right? Um and then that, that was the other one. They have a, they had a big giant ficus tree, or a couple of them. Oh, no, there's a whole strip. There's a whole strip of them? <laughs> yeah. And what they do is they just, for some reason, decided, you know what? It's the middle of summer. We need to do some spring trimming on these trees. And they shaved them all the way down to essentially the branches, so there's no more shade. Well, so then, of course, the actors are like, well, we can't put up with this. They call the city. Did they pull a permit for having to trim those ficus trees? Turns out they did not. They haven't for the last three years, but they have been doing it every year at this time. Have they really? Yes. Because so yeah, it seems not... like a spring kind of a trim. Well, the, the, the idea is that the winds kick up in summertime, and they're ah. afraid the branches, when they're heavily laden, why wouldn't you want leaves in the summertime? But pff, what do I know? Uh, exactly. You don't trim a tree until fall. I mean, that's what I learned from Larry Sagers. <laughs> So that's the level of pettiness that we're at. To me, that was the the interesting thing. Uh, of course, the other oh, they news put that, up shade now. Oh, they did. They, they brought canopies out. Well, that's they wait, felt that may, bad. Wait, the universe, NBC did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I just figured the, the picketers did. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, as far as how it relates to locally, is the uh, that the chosen the local series that they yeah. or the, it's not local, but they've been filming it locally. They got a SAG waiver because they're not with a studio that is affiliated with AMPTP. Right. That means that production was only, I guess, sort of shut down for a couple of days, uh, and now they're able to continue filming the chosen, which is good news. It got a corporate or um, a network pickup this year, so the seasons of the chosen are going to air on uh, Channel Thirty. Starting, CW. I want to say, in September. Yeah, CW. Uh, and then the fourth season will premiere on the CW. Also, there are other, like, 38 other projects that have gotten a waiver. And most of them are from A24, the studio that is not part of the AM, M-O-U-S-E. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and so those movies are will continue to work under, you know, without, they got waivers to, you know, their, their actors can go play. So that's your update 
on SAG. Oh. I promise you we will not try to kill you and bore you with uh, that every single week unless something major happens. I just thought it was funny that we had the um, that we had the uh, the tree issue and the, oh, we've got to do construction right now. It just so happens to be where you guys are picketing. Oh, man, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, that seemed. And they said it had nothing to do with that. I'm like, mm, really? Okay. All right. Well, it's the KSL Movie Show. It's going to work. It's passable, okay? This, this isn't terrible. The week's big movie review, movie news, games, and prizes. Here, here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. We're slow learners. We're not particularly good listeners. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Who's that ad? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I take offense. I may not be able to jump, but at least I'm slow. <laughs> ah, it's the movie show, second hour. Uh, we're pleased to be joined right now by two members of JK Studios. Uh, I Formerly Studio C, the original cast of Studio C. That's where I think uh, a lot of the listeners who've only paid slight attention would recognize <laughs> you both from. The new movie they've got out today called Go West, uh, being distributed by Purdy, so it's going to play locally first before it gets a little bit of a wider spread. And we're pleased to be joined by Whitney Call and Adam Berg, who play a total of nine roles in the movie combined. I did. I actually went through to count all the different roles. Who got the the, extra? Well, I don't know. Polio Joe. Oh, that was me. (laughs) So Go West, the movie, essentially, uh, it's a a satire, a spoof, a farce. It's it's all the stuff that you'd expect from uh, the cast who uh, made Scott Sterling famous and who's made, I mean, I tell you what, I was at Fanex about five years ago when Uh you guys were one of the featured guests. And It was just as nuts for you guys as it was for any of the Hollywood celebrities that they brought in. How does that feel to be like, I mean, you're not just Utah famous, but in Utah, you're definitely famous. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, we really just love our love group. It's. I think basically what's helping us uh, take off of, off from the ground, you know, we uh, we had a really hardcore love group when we started Studio C, um, and uh, they were the ones basically that helped uh, prove to the network that we could actually have a sketch show that would do well, and I think that's kind of what's, uh, you know, going to be the catalyst right here to get um, national attention is, is really relying on that group to kind of spread word of mouth. So yeah, we love them. Yeah. So so tell us about Go West. How how did it come about? First of all, a, a feature length movie with you guys. Your first one, yes? Yeah, yeah, it is. The first one with all ten of us yeah. that we all made together. Very exciting. The first thing I remember about like this getting put together is Whitney kind of bringing up like, "Hey, why don't we write sketches again?" And <laughs> we don't know what'll happen with it, but maybe we could do something with it. Uh, we had talked about some sort of period piece pioneer we have a lot of pioneer locations hand car i mean it's utah so you know you'll find props and settings everywhere Mm -hmm. so so that that helps that was was a resource oh yeah for sure yeah and so we started writing uh just over a year ago Uh uh-huh uh and then we uh Built this pool of 40 sketches. Yeah, about 40. Uh, and then conversations with some friends of ours who are Brothers Inc., who are the producers uh, on this film and have experience making movies. is like, make a movie. Uh-huh. And you might, you, Whitney probably knows more than I do about like the conversations that were happening. And suddenly it was like, oh, we're going to make this movie. And we were very excited and it was happening very quickly. And Whitney, who's a superstar writer, which he probably didn't know, <laughs> t- 
took on this like Herculean task of like trying to make sense of 40 random ideas and like string them together. We we told everyone, we said, if you have any ideas in the West, in the 1800s, in the Oregon Trail, pioneers, whatever, just like characters, bits, whatever. So it was like, there was some through line, but very thin, very Mm. thin. But yeah, Mallory, Natalie, and I, we, uh, we had a, a, an outline that we wanted to do. And so after we uh, had all the material, I mean, that's us for, you know, funny first. That's kind of where we came from. So you have all the sketch material, and then you just think what story can come out of these sketches. So yeah, we wrote it and then filmed in, what, 15 days back mm-hmm. in, in the earliest snow I can remember. We've, we've started filming in October thinking we'd beat the snow. The- yeah. And we all remember October of last year. Yeah, oh, before yeah. Halloween. I also noticed the breath seeping out in a couple yes, of spots. Yes, it was cold. But honestly, oh, it made the shot so beautiful. Was it I, actually snowing on you in some of the scenes it where it looked? Yeah. See, that, there's 100%. a difference. You can tell the difference watching any movie yep. when it's fake and real snow. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We, we, uh, we filmed in the snow. Our crew, they were so oh, – we, we just have superstars on our crew, on our cast, because I think everyone just thought, okay, we're, we're going to have a movie in the snow now. And so, uh, yeah, it ended up really looking beautiful and – um, then we just got it into post, and we're in theaters now. So, so tell me then, for people who, because I'm assuming that Steve and I are one of the few that have seen it right now mm-hmm. that are listening. At this point. So tell us about your main character so they can come back with a reference point later. Each of your, who, what would you consider your yeah. main character in the movie? Because you do play several. Sure. Let's go with Whitney. Well, my, my main character is Robert Gladstone, and you heard that right. Her name is Robert. Um, she's actually uh, kind of based off of my mom in a loving <laughs> way. <laughs> Everyone laughs. But so my, the, mole, the mole and everything? <laughs> no, my mom, um, even, you know, she when she grew up, she really wanted to be a police officer. Um, and, in fact, she, like, did a lot of, like, undercover work with, like, BYU police and stuff like that because they were trying to catch, like, a flasher or, like, stuff like that on campus. But, uh, you know, it was the 70s. She she got married and had all of us instead, and uh, she ended up working at a a police supply store when I was a kid, and that was kind of the closest she ever got. I think she would have been an awesome police officer. Like, she's got – like, she knows her stuff. She took judo, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, for me, I was like, okay – I want to I want to write a character who um maybe has this deep sadness that she can't do all of these like rough and tumble things that she really wants to do and then maybe like the father figure that was just funny uh, added on top a little sad but <laughs> no this character she really is just kind of like uh the ultimate I guess tomboy of what you'd say of the 1800s and uh just yeah, the in fact, when, whenever villain. she's challenged on any, that was one of the parts that you made me laugh the most, is any time there was a challenge to, oh, really? A uh, man could pull the hand uh, uh, and yeah. I'll pull the hand That's I want that on a t-shirt. I'm a husky husky. That's, that's, my, that's my favorite line of hers. All right, and what about you? Yeah, my character is kind of the opposite of Robert, my biggest one. He doesn't have a name. Uh, so he's kind of the stranded man. And he's just <laughs> oh, like I this... thought his name was Percival. That's officially what it's listed in the. Yeah. Oh. So is that what it is? It's yeah. Oh, he <laughs> looks like I a Percival. Like, if he's just the stranded, it, Percival. Percival is definitely his name. <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. I think in the credits of the movie, it's stranded man, and on IMDb, it'll it's I, Percival. It's Percival. We okay. always called him Yum. Which stood for "You Understand Man." Yeah, that was his. That was his name. Because he says, "You understand," <laughs> but he's just a man baby who's out in the middle of a field, 
and he wanted to go west, but he just so weak. The original idea was just like trying to harness the, this concept of like man colds yeah. <laughs> you know? on the Oregon Trail. Yeah. Oh, like when a man gets a cold and he's just completely laid up, he can't keep going. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, oh, it's so the defeated. costume looked like you were from the French provincial. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was hilarious. You yeah. were a and dandy. he rode a rocking yes. horse. Yes. Yep. So. Yep. So just kind of this rich baby who's like, wouldn't it be nice to go west? Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's my biggest character. That was. Funny. That I mean, that was. I mean, all of those characters. I mean, the fact that you guys, you know, it's always tough to take sketch comedy. And mm-hmm. try to expand it into a full-length movie because sometimes you just feel like, ooh, there's some strings of this that right. aren't coming together. Well, and it hasn't it hasn't been done for a while, right? I mean, I think we're used to these movies we grew up with, with Monty Python and Airplane, and you know, you I think you uh, there was kind of a dearth for a while. Men in Tights was maybe the the last movie I remember that was like was that early nineties movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think really from there, uh, SNL did a few of these kinds too, but there just hasn't been in the last twenty years, I think, a movie that I really can touch stone about. You know, sketch go. Going into a feature length. And so when we all talked about wanting to do this, we looked back to those classics and thought, you know, there's a reason why people keep watching them. There's a reason why they're still relevant today, even if there hasn't been one for a while. And I think we're the team that can do it. And so that's what we've done here. I think you did a great job. And the movies Go West, and it is playing in theaters as of today. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be an extended run here? I was hearing something like it's going to play here for a couple weeks, and then it's going to... Yeah, so honestly, um, the amount of people who come to the theater this this week will determine how long it plays in Utah. So right now it's set for a two-week run. We're hoping it can be in for even more time than that, and that just depends on how many people come to theaters. We know we've got Barbie and Oppenheimer going on right now, but honestly, we, we have people here who watched it and then came back again the next day because they said there were so many jokes. I just wanted to be able to catch them all, so I brought my family again. It's been such a, a great reception. Yeah. So a uh, two-week run in Utah, hopefully longer, and then August 4th will be uh, releasing in Arizona and Idaho, and then August 11th will be a national release. Nice. And are you guys going to – I mean, you've done the national thing, before you've been on Conan, we have, and yeah, then yeah. what? Didn't they take you to New York for? Yeah, one? yeah, we yeah. worked with Keenan Thompson. Keenan Thompson, that yeah. was unbelievable, and the, yeah. and the crowd was nuts. It was yeah. pretty fun. It's a wild experience. Keenan is amazing. He's the nicest person he maybe is. I've ever met. I know. He was really great. But the fact that he joined your troupe and did some skits, I, I thought well, that was really amazing. Wasn't that so? Well, fun? and that's a, just that's a tribute to the fact you know the I. And one of the best things is that you guys work clean. That's mm-hmm. a term in the comedy business. You don't mm-hmm. work blue; you work clean, and mm-hmm. and that there's room for it, and yeah. that people there's a thirst for it. It's not just that there's room for it; right. there's an actual thirst for it. Well, yeah. and I think our goal has always been right what we are going to laugh at, and so I love when people say they can take their kids to it, and that they're also catching jokes that maybe uh, the kids aren't catching all the time. I think there's so many layers that really anyone in the family is going to to have something to you latch know, onto. Exactly what I enjoyed about it was there's a little bit of sass. Uh-huh. But yeah. not enough to go, ah, you know, just a, just a hint. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Like well dysentery done. on the ceiling. Yeah. I've never yeah. even, that's like one of the first shows. Every time that Mallory's character coughed and you had that fake blood spray, it, I thought it was funnier that it looked kind was of that, fake. Was that it's your meant, special effects budget? Uh, I mean, it's budget? meant to be just <laughs> yeah. like totally bizarre, like totally right, no, absurd, right? It was, and that's what was so funny about it. Yeah. it was just, and it was always like a distant shot or right, something like right. that. Or when no she's teeth. trying to wipe her mouth uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's, that was your husband that was playing the. That was playing Elijah, yeah, yeah the love interest. Wow, <laughs> great job, the Ken. 
in this particular yeah. story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's just Ken. Just <laughs> He's just Elijah. <laughs> well, Whitney and Adam, thank you so much for joining us yeah, here on the movie show. Good luck to you guys on Go West. It's very funny, and I I recommend it. And thank I you. recommend thank it you. to families. You can watch it together, especially if your kids, like my kids, knew all you guys by first name. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> you probably, that's probably weird. Well, Whitney, Adam, I'm Mallory's. You have to In fact, I didn't know what your guys' yeah. last names were for a long time. Because, we don't oh, have them. We saw the sketch where Natalie does this, and uh-huh. I'm like, I... <laughs> <laughs> which one? Yep, yep. There's a lot of us. We actually answer yeah. to all the names. So yeah. if someone just calls after me, Adam, I go, yeah. hi. Yeah. Most people call me Studio C. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I want the captain's boots. Those were... Those kinky oh, boots. Aren't those so great? Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> well, we wish you well on your movie. We've got to take a break here on the movie show, but... Uh, it's great to have you. Hopefully we'll have you back us. again sometime. Get another movie out so we can have you back. We're okay, we'll do but it we'll do you. this one first, yeah. but then, okay. then do another one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. It'll All be right. called Forget West. Let's go east. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, Whitney Call and Adam Berg from JK Studios and the movie Go West in theaters now. The Movie Show. You probably think this world is a dream come true, but you're wrong. On KSL News Radio. Movie show. What a fun interview with the uh, JK Studios mm-hmm. cast. They're Great. just as pleasant as they seem. Um, you know, seeing them on screen and then seeing them in person, they're just as pleasant as they look. All right. Steve. Robert's not as scary in real life. So. Robert's way less scary in real life and seems shorter in real life. So that's probably helps. Yeah, they that shot she's not up. Towering over yeah, you. That's true. Uh, all right. Well, it's time for uh, Steve, our big streaming review. Yes. Planning a weekend on the couch? Streaming your favorite movie or a new show? Andy and Steve sort through it all so you only binge the best. It's the movie show streaming reviews on KSL News Radio. All right, Steve, you have been waiting for this show. So long. So long. Was it worth the wait? Yes. And what is the show? Okay, it's called Justified. They had five or six, I can't remember how many seasons. That show was set in Kentucky with Jay L- Raylan Givens, played by Timothy Oliphant. And it was all the, you know, the the backwoods people and the moonshiners. And uh, Walton Goggins was so good in that. And they were like childhood friends. This is entirely different. Now they're in Detroit. Uh, accidentally, by the way, it, it's... So these are based on books, right? Yes. The so El- the series is not just like original characters. It's oh, this based is on a Elmore book. Leonard's books. Oh, okay. Yeah, the good, the good stuff. And so he did. He wrote a one of the books was called City Primeval, which is about Detroit. And so, yeah, this one is based on an Elmore Leonard uh, novel. So, does this still feel like a western? Well, it does in the in the fact that it's it centers on Raylan Givens, who always has the cowboy hat. He looks a little out of place in Detroit. I was just saying, Detroit. I bet he looks a lot out of place. Kentucky to Miami to then Detroit. But it still has those mannerisms. The way he like, oh, okay, so you really want to do this, huh? Well, you know. I got a 94 in my, my gun range uh, test not too long. I mean, everything he says to a bad guy or whatever is just hilarious. Like, he'll be like the cops in Detroit. like, well, let me show you how we do it here. And they get ready to pound a door. And he goes, hold on. Checks the door. Uh, it opens. You know, you don't, no, to, <laughs> you don't have to bust it down. You don't down have to knock everything down. Handle. And then one guy, he, one of the Detroit cops kicks a guy down the stairs. He goes, was that really necessary? We're trying to have a conversation here. So he's just so smooth and so cool. But when he has to, you, you don't want to mess with the dude because he'll take you out. Now, for nerds like me, yeah. 
would recognize Timothy Oliphant as the bounty hunter Cobb Vanth who turns sheriff in the Mandalorian season. He's the one who has Boba Fett's armor at the beginning of season two. Just so you know, that's literally because of he was in Justified. And that's what I was going to say. Is So if you liked him there, if you've never watched Justified, just imagine that character Tons essentially in his own show yeah. and, and super awesome. I, I, he's one of the best characters that I've enjoyed on television in a long time. And City Primeval, then, is it worth it? Uh, oh, absolutely. They, they show the first two uh, two episodes, and then they're going to do, I think, one or two on Tuesdays will be the on FX, and then the following day on Hulu. So Wednesday on Hulu if you only have streaming. Right. Tuesdays on FX if you have cable. Right. Okay, and that's Justified City Primeval. So the first two. What's it rated? Uh, oh, it, it's going to be. It's MA, TVMA. Yeah, it's TVMA, yeah. Okay. All right, so that's just. Oh, by the way, the, the daughter in it is actually his daughter. Oh, his real daughter? Yeah. yeah. And oh, she, that's and cool. And she gives him as much sass. You're like, they're not acting right now. <laughs> that's always cool when you kind of get that and little. And she's really good, too. So, uh, And Boyd Holbrook, who was in the uh, Indiana Jones movies, one of the crazy Nazi guys. Yeah. The blonde kid. Oh, okay. He's the bad yes. guy in this. Oh, yeah. He, he was a bad guy in both then, yeah. So good. Good at being bad? Yes. Okay. He's terrible. All right, well, the other big streaming things uh, were a couple of sports documentaries. I, I know Doug was Utah's Mr. Sports. I am an actual sports fan. And so two documentaries that came out, one is on Apple TV Plus called Stephen Curry Underrated. It is funny. His mother calls him Stephen, not Steph. We all call him Steph. Fans call him Steph. Mom calls him Stephen throughout the whole thing. It essentially follows Steph's career. Uh, it, it tells his life story, more or less, and yes, he's still in the NBA, but it kind of parallels last season when the Warriors won the championship to his kind of coming up as a kid who could barely hit the rim because he didn't have the arm strength. And then his dad, who was an NBA sharpshooter, um, Del. said, Del Curry, yeah, who actually played for the Jazz for a little bit at the beginning of his career, right. said, you're going to have to change your shot completely if you're going to... Because he was shooting if, from if you the really waist. Go, yeah, if you really want to go anywhere, you're going to have to change. And then... It required different muscles, and then he said there was a stretch I couldn't even make a basket, which is funny when you watch Steph now. Yeah. But then it shows his run through Davidson College in the year. Now, that he- was the most interesting part to me because I had no idea. I knew he went to college somewhere, but I had no idea. Davidson? I mean, seriously? And I remembered that I knew – I recognized his name only because of the Del Curry references when he was making the run, and it was exciting. And for people like you know, who didn't realize they had made that run, the whole story of Davidson becomes just as exciting. So yeah. Steph Curry – uh, underrated Apple TV Plus. It is rated MA for language, so if you wanted to watch it with your kids, there is some athlete swearing in it, just to give you the heads up. The other was called Goliath. It's a streaming series on HBO or on Max. It's a three-parter that just dropped this week. Uh, you do have to have the Showtime level of... Uh, actually, no, maybe it's Paramount Plus. Let me just double-check because I got this backwards. Uh, it's Paramount Plus, sorry, not Max. It's on Paramount Plus, but you have to have the Showtime level. Uh, at any rate, three parts. Wilt Chamberlain changed the game for a big man. How how black athletes could get paid. He was the first hundred thousand dollar athlete. He's the first one who kind of said, "Look, if if you don't want me here, I want to go play somewhere else." And you know, back then you had to get traded, but he was one of the first players to force a trade. And he's always intertwined with Bill Russell. Bill Russell had a documentary earlier this year, which was great. Yeah. This Wilt documentary is great. They're great compliments to each other. So two basketball documentaries that I think people will really and enjoy. And not to mention quarterbacks, which is continuing. That's a great little Netflix, series. Netflix, yes. Into the NFL. So that's our streaming reviews. It's the KSL Movie Show. It gave the audience feelings they weren't sure they should enjoy. The week's big movie review. 
games, and prizes. Here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. Like a slice of butter melting on top of a big old pile of flapjacks. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The question is who's the slice of butter and who are the flapjacks? Steve. Was it that? deep of a metaphor I, I believe so i believe that's what we're trying to get I, I people just, to put together in their mind i just got hungry <laughs> <laughs> well it's a good thing you have this delicious kolache to eat oh man all right uh, steve um as we hit bottom of the hour here i do want to make sure that our listeners know we want you to be part of the movie show so text us five seven five zero zero your thoughts we've actually had a couple come in uh actually had one listener say i appreciate the heads up on the sex scenes in oppenheimer i'm a nolan fan that sets a calendar reminder the moment the release date drops and don't watch a single trailer i'm crushed that i'll have to wait to watch it at home and i but i mean that's i, I i'm glad that we could not spoil certain things but yeah. uh but hey uh that's what we're here for we, we, we want People who have concerns about content, we want them to know what they're walking into so they don't walk in and be like, well, why didn't the movie show guys tell me about that? Well, in, in fact, it's really not necessary. I've seen other movies where, you know, it makes total sense, but all of a sudden in a movie about an atomic bomb, you're like, they're getting it on, and then they're having a conversation completely naked. Oh, what was that about? Yep. Uh, you no could, you could have had the conversation with some, some other way at some other location, but uh, hey. That's what the filmmaker chose, but uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, one said, what about Bruce Almighty? As far as a movie, he considers that, a, she or she considers that a sketch. Uh, I think there's a distinction where Bruce Almighty felt like a single idea that may have been stretched out too far and that would have made f- been funnier as a, as a shorter sketch. But uh, when we were talking about Go West, it literally is a series of sketches that they sort of figured out a way to just put them all together into a narrative. Well, they're just heading in one direction, and that <laughs> right? makes and all, they can the, make all, all the, the sense in the world. All the jokes. All right, so that's the uh, movie show. Uh, text us for uh, 57500. Now, Steve, it's time for the movie show Top Ten, sponsored by Call Climate Services. KSL Movie Show Top 10. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, let's start us off. Number 10, The Little Mermaid. Still kinda in the top 10. S- kind of sad, though. It is, well, I guess after eight weeks, you know. What did it make this week? Uh, let's see. It's up to 295 domestic, 264. And it's at 555. Okay. But that's, that was not a cheap movie to make. Half a billion? You think that doesn't get it back? Mm. Just not as big of a profit. I think they're in profit now, but barely. Okay. Number nine, Joyride. Joyride, yeah. Uh, okay, wait. Last week, it made 158000 foreign. What oh, did it make this week? 236000 That's how much it's earned total? Uh, yes, that's total. So it only made like... Another hundred, another eighty thousand. Okay, so foreign audiences are not liking Joyride. Well, maybe not getting a chance to see it. I don't know. But oh, in two possible. weeks, you know, twelve, twelve domestic and five bucks foreign. So, <laughs> number eight, no hard feelings. I like this movie. It's a little edgy, but forty-eight domestic, uh, thirty-one foreign. It's just about to go over eighty million dollars. Still hanging on in the top ten after six weeks. Transformers: Rise of the Beasts at number seven. And this is one where the foreign is very happy to see uh, 154 domestic, 268 foreign. We're at 422. Now, of course, the top 10 is based on what it's earning in the United States. That's what we're basing it off of. Because if, I think if we were going foreign, Fast 10 would somehow still be in the top 10 because that's been killing it overseas. Yeah. Just not so much here. Okay, number six, seven weeks in the top 10. 
Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, it continues to make money. Well, here's the weird thing. It's a 371 domestic, 295 foreign for a total of 666. Well, we need to get off that number right now. Okay, it's 667. And it's number six on the top ten. Okay, so that makes four <laughs> sixes, so that's better. And it's a great film. Oh, yes. And people, I, I don't know anybody who saw it and said, oh, I didn't like that. Not a single person. Yeah. All right, number five, Elemental, still hanging out. Strange movie, but it was cute. Uh, 129 domestic, 188 foreign, so it's doing better overseas. And it did much better than Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, a similar type movie. I don't even see Ruby anymore. It is not. (sighs) Number four, three weeks in, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, 149 domestic, 158 foreign, so fairly balanced. We're at 307, and that's in 40... Over 4,600 screens. So. so not coming in as high as they wanted. All right. So number three, last week's number one, Insidious, The Red Door. And boy, is this doing some numbers. 62 domestic, but 156 foreign. It's at 218. This is like a $20 movie. Horror films are still the most profitable films that can be made. Now, that's a PG-13 horror film. Do you think that helps over an R-rated horror film? Well, not only that, but it also has some, uh, it's part of a legacy. This is uh, the fifth in, in the series. So. That's true. And number two, Sound of Freedom. Yeah, this one continues to blow my mind. I, not for any reason other than it's a decent film. It just went over $100 million. No foreign box office on this. Um, so $100 million. That's <laughs> Yeah, I'm... Not surprised that some of the foreign markets where all this stuff was taking place may not be excited. But you mean it won't go over well in it won't go over Venezuela? Well in, or, yeah, but uh, no, it, it is a really solid and emotional movie, and it highlights a, a real problem that uh, that it's worth highlighting as you know, something to be that's worth fighting against. The only criticism I've heard about it, non-political, is that most of the people that are being kidnapped are teenagers, and they've got them all like little as young little kids. kids. Uh, 60, like two-thirds of the people that are kidnapped are teenagers. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I got more teens than young kids now. That That is... Unsettling. Yikes, yeah. You'd think they'd, you know, fight back or say something or whatever. I don't know how it works, but Oof. anyway. Yeah. All right, and then number one, no surprise, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. But is it doing as well as it should? I, I'm seeing 91 domestic, 169 foreign. It's at 260 in one week. I mean, come on. A quarter of a billion dollars in a week, and you're like, eh, I don't know. Well, I wish that it was more than that. Well, don't we all wish that? But you know what? You know who loved Mission Impossible 7? Our listener, Michael, who called in our comment line and review line, 801-575-7668. And here's Michael's review of Mission Impossible 7. Hi, this is Michael. I have a movie review of Mission Impossible 7. I went to see this movie for Guys Night recently. This is my favorite action film of the year full of action and suspense and great stunts. I hope you're not of, afraid of AI, After, but after this movie, you will be. This movie entertains you from start to finish. I can't wait to see it again with my family. Thank you. Awesome, Michael. Remember the rule, 35 seconds for review. He nailed that. And uh, Good job. We love hearing from you. 801-575-7668. Write that number down. Call us during the week after you see one of Barbie or Oppenheimer. Or go west. We'd love to hear what you thought of any of them. So that is the movie show top ten. The movie show. <laughs> it's real on KSL News Radio. It's real. All right. Final segment of this hour, Steve. Yep. Let's review Go West. Ah. 
husband's death prepared her for many things, but nothing could prepare her for what came next. Oh, no! What is it? My eczema. My daughter, she's getting married. Oh, that's great. She's 15. Historically, still great. You want me to trade a covered wagon for a handcart? It'll reduce your carbon footprint. I didn't even consider that. Go West is the story of Adeline, I believe. Uh, let's see. I want to make sure. Aveline. Aveline. Yeah. Aveline. She's a multi-widowed woman who wants to reunite with her kids that she sent ahead along the Oregon Trail. And she has to drag along her sister, who you heard in the background, my eczema. Oh, Cora. Yeah. Uh, she's got to drag her sister, who's got every health problem imaginable. They join up a group, including a guy named Elijah, who, uh, who may have some feelings for Aveline. But, of course, then there's the other guy in the party who, if she even talks to him, don't try to work your evil on me, which woman, because oh, everybody that mustache. she marries dies. <laughs> and so what you got is uh, essentially an hour and a half, a little bit, little bit more than an hour and a half of, of sketch comedy from the original cast of Studio C, who are now uh, part of what's called JK Studios. We just interviewed uh, Whitney Call and Adam Berg, who play nine of the characters in the movie, and I thought it was, it was, it was hilarious. I mean, I laughed start to finish. I was skeptical going in, but I laughed a lot. I have to admit, I was writing stuff down as we went, you know, like, Avaline, she's cursed, Cora, dysentery, Elijah, handcart, Delmar, stockyard hustler. <laughs> yes. I mean, he talks everybody into trading in much better transportation for a handcart. Yeah, the captain with his red hat and his heels. That was hysterical. Oh, that was Matt Meese. That was the guy who played Scott Sterling for people who were familiar. Uh, Okay. And then the Fort Laramie, the the Johnny River gang. uh, Which they then argue about the name of the gang for 10 to 20 minutes. And then when you see Kit Carson, he looks like the baddest dude on the planet. And then he talks like high voice kitty. (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. I tell you. And they go, oh, you've got to kill that buffalo. I mean, everything just, it just, it all clicked for me. If the you, one guy that had the port, pork rind addiction? Uh, <laughs> I think it was the same one who was didn't yeah. want Aveline to look at him or talk to him. Yeah. Um, so the cast wrote it all together. They didn't have a set of writers, and then the cast put it together. The cast all wrote it together. And as, as Whitney explained to us in our interview earlier this hour, it was a bunch of sketches that they worked into a narrative. And that was, I mean, that was my... my not not a complaint because it was so funny, but my criticism was it felt like a sketch just stretched out. But I actually think that helped because that means that you can ignore, you know, the they didn't have a lot of money for production. It, you can ignore that, you know, it, you know, <laughs> the special effects. The only special effect is every time Cora coughed in the background, you'd see this big red spray. I only saw it a couple of times. Was oh, it, it was just so towards funny. the end? No, it was like three or four times. Well, how about the Donner Family Circus? <laughs> And they they had a stance on animal cruelty. The one guy was like, the one guy was like, weren't there six of them back in Florida? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm giving away jokes. I don't want to give away jokes because they're they're really funny in the movie. And the fear of small streams, you know, just the guy with the, the you know had to carry the weightlifter across the river. It's funny. I mean, that's it. It's just it's, it's not one of rated, those... but it's safe for all ages. That's yeah. one of the great things about this cast is that they do clean. Well, comedy. there's a little bathroom humor. Yes, but it's clean comedy. Yeah. Oh, no question. And they don't. Yeah, and they don't lean into that at all. So, and uh, my favorite is Cora's snoring. Her variations. Of that's snoring. Mallory. Uh, Mallory Everton plays her. That's she the, the is, Studio C people fans. They know them all by first name. Okay. Well, Mallory is hilarious. Every time she would go to sleep, and her snoring, there was like fourteen different versions. <laughs> my favorite was the the jazz kind of. <laughs> what I can't even do it. 
I was dying laughing. So Do you most of this a, movie. Well, I would give it a solid B, B plus, maybe. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's not a perfect movie, but three out of four, and I don't think anybody who's already a fan of the cast, who's already a fan of uh, you know clean humor, I, I think they'll just love it. One of the biggest problems with sketch comedy is being able to stretch into a 90-minute movie, and it just feels horrible if you don't get it right. They got it right. I agree. All right, so that's uh, Go West in theaters, and it's got a two-week run. If everybody goes to see it, it could be longer, and we recommend you do that. You know, a local film, sometimes we go, yeah, yay, but sometimes no. This one, yay. Okay. It's the KSL Movie Show. The end is inevitable. They're kind of headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir, but not today. The week's big movie review. Games and prizes. Here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. Right now, we are being so unoffensive, we might as well be a Hallmark Christmas movie. You know what I'm saying? On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, Steve, time is just flying by on the movie show. This hour, we've still got uh, telephone torture coming up. Yeah, and then we've got the worst thing I watched this week, slash a movie review. Because they're going to be the same thing for different people, uh, or different things for the same people. I don't know. And then, of course, uh, what has become many listeners' favorite, especially the ones who aren't able to tune in sooner, our rapid-fire segment as we wrap things up uh, later this hour. We're coming to you live from the uh, My Hearing Center, Sandy location, and uh, we're going to be talking with Matt Deering in just a little bit. But, Steve, right now uh, we wanted to kind of recap a little bit uh, what we wanted to do for... uh, uh, just a really quick recap. Uh, you know what? Let's save. Let's save our uh, for rapid fire. Barbie and Oppenheimer. So okay. you're going to have to stay listening this hour if you miss it. Of course, you can also catch the podcast on KSL Podcast. Go to the movie show, and uh, you know if you wanted to hear maybe the the long in depth that we did earlier in the show. But how about we talk about the other movie that you wanted to make sure since you took the time to watch? And it sounds like you've got some thoughts. Uh, the deepest breath on Netflix. Did do we have sound from that, Corey? We so. may not, but okay. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Yeah, okay. So here's here's the deepest breath sound. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> and you'll be doing that a lot. You'll be actually checking your own. Am I breathing right now? I, they're not breathing. Why are they not breathing? The opening scene is showing. Uh, there's the, they do the long rope thing, and it goes down to about ninety meters or a hundred meters. Okay, and this is That's on deep. Yeah, and so. They, My ears are popping just thinking about that. They have the, the the one fin, you know, where they put both feet in and this, and they go down this rope. And I thought, you know, that would be the hardest part because it gets dark and they're going down and they get to the bottom. And then all the pressure of that water coming back up is feel, it feels like a current against you. And this is when you're the most vulnerable. Wait, so... As the pressure decreases as you're going up, that feels like it's pushing against you? Yeah, it's like a current pushing you down. All that weight of the water coming down on you, it's harder to go back oh, and up. And also, are they are they releasing the air while they hold their breath, or do they have to hold it in the whole time? Well, it doesn't look like they're releasing much. If they are, it's sort of more towards the last 10 meters. And they have safety divers. But in the opening scene, it's you can hear the heartbeat of this young woman as she goes down, and then it slows down. As she's coming back up, almost. I mean, you're like, is, did her heart just stop? And she blacks out. A lot of them do black out in that last 10 meters when That's they really run out of air and the brain shuts it down. It says, I'm not getting any oxygen. You might have a minute or two to live. 
but for right now, I'm just going to shut down and... Like a breaker? Yeah. Yeah, like you threw a breaker. And so they have um, deep divers, a couple of safety divers, one that goes down about 40 meters, and then they're, they're supposed to kind of watch. And the idea is if you come up clean without any help, like they don't have to grab you and give you literally... There's a dozen scenes in this movie where they have to grab them, pull them up, and then do CPR to get them to breathe. Sounds like Flatliners, the movie. Or, or what was the movie with, um, uh, shoot, Labyrinth? No. Uh, it was the one, uh, the the Abyss. Oh, oh, okay, yes. The one like, James Cameron did? Yes, with... Uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. And who was the dude? It was Harris, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, you know what? I'm not sure. It feels like it would be Bill John Paxton. Glenn. John Glenn, who played John Glenn? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, Ed oh, Harris. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it's like that. And so the Steve guy, he, there's one scene where there's a woman who's very famous. Her son also wanted to break some records. He got stuck at about 40 meters down, and it was unbelievable. The Steve guy was about 10 meters underwater, and he could see that the guy not only had blacked out, but was starting to sink. Uh, that's the wrong direction. And so he was out of air, yet went down the extra 10 or 20 meters, grabbed the guy, pulled him up, saved his life. Are they doing this for like a Guinness World Record kind of a thing? Or this they, is are actually, they the people that like to free climb the the, the, the peaks without regard for safety? Uh, yeah, it's probably a lot like that. It's called free diving. It is an actual sport, and they have... World records, wow! Uh, men's and women's, and most of those records are in the hundred, hundred and two hundred. I mean, it's really that diff. Just slightly, they'll go down one more meter and set a world's record. Yeah, the only record I'd go for is the fewest times that I had to be have CPR administered. <laughs> and blacking out is a routine thing for them. Well, I don't ever want. It that is to probably routine. one of the most extreme sports. Anyway. The point what do you is, rec- you recommend it? Well, it was fascinating to me because it the human elements come into play. Some of these people get very close, and they're you know, it's life or death. So, uh, yeah, I I thought it was amazing. The deepest breath. It's a Netflix documentary. It'll blow your mind. Okay. All right. Well, I probably will never get around to it. <laughs> I mean, it freaked me out. I, it's one of those like where Matt was saying you start watching it, you're like, okay, everything else gets set aside. I'm gonna watch this. ASL Movie Show. <laughs> Telephone torture. All right, here we go, Steve. Telephone torture. We've tweaked things a little bit for this week. We've Have given we? producer Gustavo oh. license to find whatever sound effect he'd like to play when somebody gets the questions wrong or right. So this will be very interesting to see. So if they suck, then it's his fault. If they're well, yeah, we can blame Gustavo instead of it being our fault for messing with even though we perfection. Literally trained him to do this, <laughs> and he played all the sound effects for us. Yes, he did, and and I do like them, and they're going to be kind of fun. So telephone torture. Today's subject. First of all, the number to call. We should probably get the phone lines. Remember, you're not eligible to be on telephone torture if you have won in the last ninety days. So please keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. But. Our uh, telephone torture sponsored by Megaplex Theaters. Today's theme, because of Barbie oh, and its star right. Margot Robbie, we have picked one of Margot's movies. And we are going to ask five questions about that movie to help you guess which movie it is. So you'll want to pay attention to the other clues. And hopefully, you know, you're not necessarily number one, maybe number two. But we do have a winner guaranteed question. By the way, did you see the list of 
possibilities of winning things? Yes, I was actually just going to say, this okay. is what you will win if you call 575-TALK. That's 575-8255 if you get the, que- if you get the answer correct. Right. And you, the person before you doesn't get it correct. Sure. What are those prizes? Now, we have our usual, we usually have the awesome Megaplex prize pack of four movie tickets, four no, tubs no, of popcorn. No, no, it's usually just two. Oh, it's usually just two? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Then this is massively this is better double. this week. All right. So here's what we got. Prize option one, if you win, you've got Barbie's or Ken's Night Out for four. Four Megaplex theater tickets to right. see Barbie. Four large Megaplex popcorns. Four large Coca-Cola soft drinks. And in four... Barbie souvenir drink cups. Yeah. Okay, so that's option number one, Barbie's or Ken's night out. Option number two is the Oppenheimer night for four. Four Megaplex theater tickets to see Oppenheimer, four large Megaplex popcorn, four large Coca-Cola soft drinks, but sorry, no souvenir drink cups because Oppenheimer didn't have any. Atomic bombs seem to not just go well with... You know, like, oh, I would really like the mushroom cloud cup for my soda this time. And then prize option three... Barbenheimer double feature for two. Two Megaplex theater tickets to see Barbie. Two Megaplex theater tickets to see Oppenheimer. A large Megaplex popcorn for each film. A large Coca-Cola soft drink for each film. And two Barbie souvenir drink cups. So either you can go full Barbie, yep. full Oppie, or half and half. Or half and half. All right. But you can see all the movies. So that is the prize package from our friends at the Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. Okay, so now you know the theme, Margot Robbie. And here is the first question. Do we have our first potential? So we have to guess which movie this is. You have that to guess she's which in. movie. I'm going to give you five clues. Okay. And you have to say which movie that she is in. So, who is this? It's time for telephone torture. Who's this? Hello. This is John. Hello. John? Yes, sir. Okay, John, are you ready? Do you know Margot? Uh, a little bit. Okay, first her movie. She's got a lot of movies out there. She does. And the first one, you're going to probably have to guess, but let's just see. Her character adopts a pet hyena in this movie. Oh, jeez. Let's see. Three, two, one. Uh, Peter Rabbit? Peter (laughs) Rabbit. Corey, is that correct? Uh, Yeah. I didn't hear Sorry, that. Don. <laughs> Sorry, John. Uh, nice. All right. Second question. Okay, so now we've got our the the savvy movie show listener is listening on. The savvy movie show caller who's already on the line is paying close attention so they can put these together. Hello, who's this? Hi, uh, this is Kirk. Kirk. All right, Kirk. We've had one clue down, one incorrect guess. Here is clue number two. This this is a clip from this movie. Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Hmm. All right. Wow. I don't have a clue. Just make a guess. Any Margot Robbie movie you've seen? Um, don't know that I could tell you. Thanks. All right. Corey? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with flying things. Okay. All right, Kirk. That might be Better worse than calling him a loser. <laughs> All right. For time for our third clue. Hello, who's this? All right. Hello, who's this? All right. We're ready for clue number three. Who's our movie show listener who's ready to take a shot? Who's this? Hello. Turn your radio down. Listen to the phone. Hi. Hi. Who's this? 
name's Maddie. Maddie. Are you ready, Maddie? So we've had two clues now. Here's the third clue. It's one of three movies where she plays the DC Comics character named Harley Quinn. So you've got a one in three chance if you know. Hey, is it Suicide Squad? Corey? You lose. Oh, but that's a great guess. Okay, so now the savvy movie show listener is thinking, she's played Harley Quinn in three movies. We just eliminated one of them. (laughs) All right, question number four. Hello, who's this? Hello, who's this? My name's Randall. Brandon, all right. You ready? You bet. Some believe that this film's less than stellar box office performance had to do with the fact that it has one of the longest and wordiest titles in movie history. Spider Man, Spider Verse. <laughs> oh, is that correct, Corey? You're killing me, Smalls. All right, better luck next time. Okay, we've got the guaranteed hopefully winner question here. Now I'm starting to doubt that this is the guaranteed winner question. Uh Uh-oh. But I'm going to help maybe just a little bit. This could be one of two movies. (laughs) Neither one is coming to mind. All right, so here we go. Number five, this, this is hopefully the guaranteed winner question. Who's this? This is Lindy. Lindy. Do you think you know this? Do you know your Margot Robbie? Mm, I know my Harley Quinn. (laughs) Okay, then I'm sure you're going to get this. The name of the movie is Blank of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Fill in the blank. Birds of Prey. Thank you. Corey? (laughs) Congratulations. Now, have you thought about this already? Do you know which prize pack you want from the the Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters? Okay, name them off again. Okay, Barbie's night for Ken, uh, Barbie or Ken's night out for four, which is four tickets to Barbie, four pep popcorns, four drinks, and four Barbie souvenir cups. Oppenheimer, which is all of that minus the Barbie souvenir cups, or a split where you get two tickets to Oppenheimer, two to Barbie, and you get a total of four drinks and four popcorns, but you only get two Barbie cups. I'll take the Barbie one. Awesome prize option one. Congratulations. <laughs> And if you would be so kind, uh, we will we will keep some of Telephone Torture's tradition for all the people who did not win. Send us out with some Frank Sinatra. Okay, here we go. Brown Eyes himself, Chairman of the Board. Here he is. Uh, blue Eyes. Okay. Old Blue Eyes. Old Black Eyes. Those are his opponents. <laughs> Congratulations. Stay on the line. They'll take your information. And thanks again to our very good friends at the Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters for sponsoring Telephone Torture and giving out these awesome prizes. It's the KSL Movie Show. It's going to work. It's passable, okay? This, This isn't terrible. The week's big movie review, movie news, games, and prizes. Here's Andy Farnsworth and Steve Sales. We're slow learners. We're not particularly good listeners. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM at 1160 AM.
All right, Steve, we can't get yelled at for not including Frank with telephone torture because we did include Frank with telephone That's torture. That's right, even though he's brown eyes now. That's right. <laughs> or black eyes or whatever. Depends on what kind of a night one he black had with, eye, the rat, with the rest of the Rat Pack. Okay, well, you know what, Steve, let's review another movie. Let's do uh, They Cloned Tyrone. Yeah. You don't want to do this, man. You better talk. No, I'm just trying to collect an hour of paycheck, you know? Who are you? We're everywhere. Somebody is conducting experiments on us. We ain't no Let's take care of it right now. I don't know what that was, but that wasn't me. All right, Steve, make some sense of that. Well, has John Boyega come a long ways? I mean, he plays a drug dealer with big old grill with gold teeth. and he He's is... almost unrecognizable if you remember him from Star Wars Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah, thanks. We got that. Well, no, I'm just saying, for somebody who tunes it in, I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, oh, that's John Boyega. I knew he was in the movie, but I didn't recognize him. All right, him. all right. So he's not happy. Some Another guy, it's called the Glen, wherever that is. It's not really distinct, except it's not Chicago and it's not L.A. So it's probably New York somewhere. Anyway, they're in this neighborhood, and there's territorial issues with the drug dealers. Uh, one of the drug dealers gets kind of roughed up, and... Uh, they're trying to take over the territory. John Boyega's character, Fontaine, says, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. So he goes over there and sends a message to Isaac. I think his name's Isaac. It was. Isaac, who's another bad guy. So they're all like, rah, 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 rah. But Isaac doesn't like his retaliation. So he goes and pumps, you know, four shots in the middle of poor uh, Fontaine. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He's the star of this show. You can't do that. Then all of a sudden, it's the next morning, and they're just doing their business you know he's walking around like like wait a minute is this like a like something that happened in the past but you don't realize like what is going on here and what is going on here i'm not going to tell you except that there's an underground lab that sort of is controlling what is happening in this neighborhood uh and it involves boyega and this isaac character and a character called yo-yo who is uh tiana uh paris who is absolutely hilarious now I know you're going to take an exception to this, but the language, to me, language works if it fits the situation. These are drug dealers, these are pimps, and these are the ladies that work for the pimps. So they're going to say words that are not going to be conducive to a somebody that is offended by language, like you. So uh, I didn't have any problem with it. In fact, I thought it was quite funny, especially when um, the pimp and the hoe were having these... Sex cr crazy dialogue that it was just so funny, and it's it's you know Jamie Fox, and come on, it's Jamie Fox, and he's hilarious. So I thought it was very funny. It was really weird where it went, but it's still I thought uh, it, it was uh, to me I got a kick out of what it. What grade would you give it? I would give it a B. A B minus. B. Oh, okay. So it threw minus on there. All right, and it is on. It's on uh, blah, blah, Netflix. Blah. Netflix, okay. All right, now it's time for a segment called The Worst Thing I Watched This Week. We've covered the hits. And we've talked about the best. Now it's time for The Worst Thing We Watched This Week. The Worst Thing I Watched This Week Don't was a dare. movie called They Cloned Tyrone. <laughs> All right. I admit Jamie Foxx is funny because I like Jamie Foxx. His, his sort of fast-talking style where he just... Everything seems like it? it's stream of consciousness. And what was his character's name? Uh, Slick Charles. Slick Charles. Come on. Yeah. Yes. No, I, and he is funny. And it, I, John Boyega was unrecognizable to me at the very first. It took me a minute to realize, oh, that, that actually is John Boyega because he looks so different than he did as Finn in, uh, in the Star Wars movies. Sure. 
Tiona Paris as Yo-Yo. She was funny. But for me, it just got overwhelmed. There was a couple of things. It, the, the, um, the amount of F-words and N-words that was in the movie, it becomes overwhelming at some point. I'm not saying that they should have made the movie without it. I'm just saying that it just gets to be too much where it's like, I mean, I felt like I, I don't know. It, it was too much. That's all I can say. And that really turned me off on the thing because it was funny. I mean, the place where he buys his scratch ticket got drank. I mean, that's funny. The, the name of the chicken place where they go to get chicken made me laugh out loud. Yeah. And they run commercials for it. The sci-fi aspect was interesting, yeah. um, trying to put together the puzzle. But it just the language was ultimately too much for me. And honestly, it was so dark. They're running around in near pitch black, it feels like, all the time. Everything takes place, it takes place at night. Mostly, And yeah. it was just hard to see what was going on for me. Now, maybe if you've got one of those really excellent uh, you know, TVs, the LED displays with the you know, 4K that can distinguish the, you know, the, the different shades better, you'll be able to see better than I was able to see as I was watching it. So for me, the worst thing I watched this week was they cloned Tyrone. <laughs> And I completely disagree, although I get it. If you're not in the mood for that kind of language, it'll turn your hair. I mean, odds are if you're a fan of Jamie Foxx, that probably doesn't already bother you, the language. Because that's, I mean, he's not playing Well, he's played other characters that have been just as bad. That's what I was going to say. I mean, in uh, Horrible Bosses, his name was a name you can't even say on the radio. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I'm not saying, so I agree with you in that it's better if the language fits what you think the characters would say. I just, it was too much for me. Plus, I thought it was a metaphor about how pe- people of you know of color feel like they're being treated. It almost feels like an experiment that's going on, taking place. Yeah, it does seem to and have I all thought, the conspiracy theories that they've ever heard about. I thought that part of it was kind of cool. So anyway, all right. I liked it. You didn't. I Exactly. And so that was They Cloned Tyrone on Netflix. The best thing Steve watched this week and the worst thing I watched I did. this week. Did it's I get that right? Best oh, thing. okay. I still like Barbie a lot better. But. Movie reviews and Hollywood news. The KSL Movie Show. All right, Steve. Final segment. Time for Rapid Fire, a segment that our listeners seem to enjoy where it's a chance for us to go over really quick all the stuff we talked about, a couple of sentences at most, and tell you what we thought of each movie. We do invite you, if you missed out on the review, to download the podcast. Go to kslpodcast.com, find the movie show, and you can listen to the entire thing, which, of course, is just hours of fun entertainment. Completely. You just can't win telephone torture if you listen to the podcast. Well, apparently not many were (laughs) We're doing so good, uh, yeah, when they were on live. All right, so rapid fire. literally gave them the answer. Uh, Well, that's why we have the winner guaranteed answer. Too hard. Okay. Well, we're gonna. Well, you can certainly suggest the movie and give us some clues. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, first of all, Barbie. Yes, all day. Loved Barbie. I thought from a a movie that's supposed to be about a, just a silly toy turns into an existential crisis. I thought that was brilliant. If you can figure out a way to do that, then you should be applauded. Greta Gerwig did a great job. Her Noah Baumbach and the others that worked on the script. Funny, emotional. For some, not so much for me, but I sure enjoyed watching it, and I thought that uh, uh, Ken stole the show. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. He was even hilarious. has his own song. All right, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. It's a, it's a masterpiece, and it's about a, a a great moment, an interesting moment in history. I thought it was completely well done, but it is done in the Christopher Nolan style, and that sometimes can be a little off-putting. It is for me. I don't love his movies. I appreciate them, and I respect them. 
But it's at three hours, I thought that last 30 minutes was too much. It did. felt like, to me, one movie wrapped around another, artistically done, an entertaining history lesson. It is rated R, just a heads up. Uh, number three, Go West. Go West, you know, sometimes we pretend like we like local movies. This is one I don't have to pretend. It is a well-done, it's the Studio C original cast. So yes. Come on. And, and they are, are brilliant. Uh, let's see. They cloned Tyrone. We disagreed on this one. I didn't enjoy it uh, that much. I just got overwhelmed by the language, and I thought it outweighed what was funny about the movie. To me, the language was almost like, hey, you, hey, you, hey, you. It just, um, words sometimes don't bother me as much, especially if they're in context and done by the people who are supposed to be doing it. All right. Justified City Primeval. Oh, thank goodness this finally came. Uh, if you haven't seen Justified, go catch up on it. This is the next level in a new new city, but it's still Raylan Givens. Love, love, love. Streaming Wednesdays on Hulu. Yeah, Tuesdays. Well, it's Tuesday on FX, oh, sorry, Wednesday right. on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Stephen Curry un- underrated a movie on Apple TV+. Plus. I thought it was a great documentary about a player who has changed the current game. And it's just, there's a lot of his story, unless you are already a fan of Steph Curry, that I think you'll be really, you'll really enjoy hearing about him as you go through. And after he won the Tahoe... Open. I don't. They don't call. Oh it yeah, that. we didn't even get a chance to that. He 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 eagled the final hole to win. Yeah, but did you hear what happened? The guy that he was playing with somebody heckled as he was <sighs> swinging, and he chucked it into the trees and lost. So don't uh, do that at NBA games. Don't do that on the golf course. Oh man, that was horrible. And then Goliath on Paramount Plus. You have to have the Showtime tier three part series about Wilt Chamberlain, who also changed the game. Back in the 1950s, 60s, uh, you'll learn a lot of interesting things about him, including he was a good volleyball player. He was great at track and just uh, uh, he's more than the 20,000 women and he's more than just uh, being (laughs) the all time scoring leader. And then the the deepest breath, the deepest breath. If you want to know about free diving, one breath all the way down 100 meters. Good grief. These people are crazy, but it's a really good doc. All right. On Netflix. A quick peek at next week. The big movie is going to be a Disney's Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. And a few other things. Theater Camp, which we saw. Theater last Camp, night. which we saw last night. Yeah. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.